Welcome to Inside Yorkshire with Susan, bringing you intriguing details about the lives of people here in Yorkshire. So, come on in and join us. Hello, Susan here, Inside Yorkshire. Now today I have Eileen Brayton again, this time with a different hat on. Having spoken to us in a previous episode about home comforts, she's now here to talk to us about her role as the Dales and District Fundraising. She's the coordinator for the Dales and District Fundraising Group for Guide Dogs. Hello again, Eileen. Hello, nice to be back. (laughs) Um, Yes, this is something I've been involved with for about 12 years as well as the other project we were talking about. Um, When I answered an advert in the DNS Times, there was a picture of a set of black, and gold Labradors, alternately, puppies sitting on a garden bench. And underneath this, it said they really needed new puppy walkers. We'd had a pet dog for 14 years who had died. And we really didn't want to get involved in another looking after another dog long term. So looking after a dog for a short time seemed a good idea. So we applied to be puppy walkers. We didn't really know what it involved, but somebody came to visit us and looked at our house and our garden and decided, yes, we would we would be uh, uh, suitable applicants to be puppy walkers. Um, and eventually we were passed to be uh, put on their list. And very suitably, nine months later, Kelly arrived. Um, we had to wait quite a while, actually. Most people don't have to wait quite so long. So Kelly was a black Labrador puppy. She was six weeks old. The puppy walkers tend to get them about six weeks. So the little bundles are fluff. They're absolutely adorable. They come in a cat basket brought by the person who's going to be your supervisor generally. And this little puppy is there for you for the next 14 months, just about. Um, And your role as a puppy walker is to socialize them, encourage them to go into all sorts of places that you wouldn't normally perhaps take a dog, like cafes, shops, shops. Transport, really important that they're happy with getting onto buses, getting into cars, getting into trains and not worrying about it, sitting on railway stations, spent many a happy hour sitting on railway stations, watching trains going by, getting on and off trains, where there's big gaps, which are obviously quite disconcerting to begin with. Um, It's all part of their training. And that's socialising, meeting anybody and everybody People who perhaps behave in a slightly strange way, perhaps have sort of odd body movements or make strange noises that perhaps dogs wouldn't be used to. It's all part of what you have to do with them. You take them on holiday with you um, if, if it's possible, but if it isn't, there are people who are usually willing to have them. And other puppy walkers who happen not to have a puppy at the time usually will take a puppy um, as, a, as a holiday, which is what we did eventually. Um, so that was a really nice thing to be doing, but Kelly stayed with us for that 14 months. She was 14 months when she left. She stayed with us a straight year. We spent Christmas with her. She had a bone shaped Christmas cake. Um, (laughs) we had to, we didn't have children living at home at the time. So it was really important to make sure that she got in contact with lots of children. Fortunately, we had neighbors who were very keen on her and came across the children came across at regular intervals. And you would stand outside the school as the children were coming out of the primary school. So there was all the noise of them rushing out. Um, That sort of thing was all um, part of their day-to-day training. 
an important part of it also, as well as the socialising. It's a sort of general training that you do with any dog, um, teaching them to sit and to stay and to stand when you want them to, because, of course, the person who's going to be looking after them eventually won't be able to see properly. They might not be completely blind, but they won't be able to see properly. Um, so they need that dog to stand when they say so, so that they can groom it properly and feel over it for any lumps and bumps and all the rest of it that you do in a general care of a dog. Um, the other thing is that they need to be very good at coming back when you call them. Free running, great. They're allowed to free run as puppies. They're allowed to free run when they're fully trained guide dogs. Although some people think perhaps that's not the case. It is, and and uh, and they're encouraged to have lots of exercise. Um but they do need to be very good at recall, as you can imagine. Um, the, some people who have guide dogs working have a, a bell on the collar of the dog so that when they run off, for instance, you know, if they're in a field or at the beach or what have you, they can actually hear where they've gone, which is quite helpful. Um, so the free running, the, the, sorry, learning about how to recall is really important. Not always for a treat. The idea is that they come to you because they want to be with people rather than other dogs. It's a really important part of their training to try and avoid too much dog distraction. Because as you can imagine, when that dog becomes a guide dog, it's going to be encouraged to walk down the middle of the pavement. That's what it's got to do in its harness, avoiding anything that's in its way. Street furniture is always a problem. Other dogs are a problem. People with push chairs. The A-frames that people put outside shops, all sorts of adverts that go out. So the dog's just got to walk straight. And the idea is that actually people get out of the way of the dog, not you. the dog walks around other people. So when you're going down the high street on market days, for instance, and there's groups of people standing chatting, the dog will walk through those people if they're in its way. That's the idea. I think um, <clears throat> probably one of the th one of the things I would imagine is and people who are enthusiastic about dogs though the distraction side of it you're quite right it is a real problem um it's a problem when they're puppies uh, because people are desperate to pet them make a fuss of them we as fundraisers we go into supermarkets quite a bit with buckets and we take puppies with us it's a good socializing training event for them but we do try and make sure that people aren't always making a fuss of them because it isn't um, advisable. We want, and especially when they become guide dogs and they're working and they're in harness, it really is not um, advisable to make any contact with the dog at all. The dog is working, it's concentrating. And if you start chatting to it, feeding it, people give them treats. Some people tend to think that these dogs are poorly done by that they're working all the time. Nobody's working a dog all the time. They're not doing that. Um, they may be taking them to school with the children. They may be taking them to the shops or to work. Quite a lot of people take the dog to work with them. But the dog isn't working all the time. And so in between, it's have time off as any other dog would do. Um, and so it's really important that when it's working, it can concentrate on what it's doing. Although the person's in charge of it, the person decides whether it's going to cross the, going to cross the road, um, not the dog. It's the person who is listening out for traffic and anything else that might be a problem. 
Nevertheless, the dog has to really concentrate and if it thinks it's, it's being given an instruction that's not safe, the idea is that the dog learns to say no to it, that it won't cross the road if something's coming and that it will actually bar the way of the person who's, who's lead, who is leading. Mm-hmm. Um, so they do have to be able to think for <clears throat> themselves to some extent. Um, actually, that as a, a sideline, really, um, one of the things that people talk about is dogs being able to, and uh, Kelly, as I mentioned, apparently knew Marks and Spencers in any place that her owner took her to. Kelly knew Marks and Spencers, and she could never work out how. And we decided, really, it must be the particular smell of Marks and Spencer's shops that she recognised. Knew Rosanne liked to go to them, so would take her to it. <laughs> and there's one locally at the moment who the the dog will recognise Costa Coffee shops and knows that his owner likes Costa Coffee and will try to lead him into it, whether or not he wants to go. <laughs> so so I, they do think for themselves mm, to some extent, yes. More understandable, I think, the coffee rather than Marks and Spencer's. It's, it's I fascinating. Can't, yes. It's fascinating, yes. yes. So, so, again, yeah, so you were, you were a, a, a puppy walker then. Do you have a dog at the moment? No, we don't. We decided we, we had six dogs altogether. We had um, three for the full, three, full year, sorry, and then three for part of a year where the puppy walkers had not been able to carry on for one reason or another. Um, so we had three dogs that just stayed with us for about six months each um, and then went on. And when they leave the puppy walker, um, all the way along you've been going to puppy class, which is where the trainers teach us as puppy walkers what they want us to do. And that does change. The sort of ways of dealing with the dogs changed over the years, over that 12 years we were involved in doing it. Um, and and also you get used to the idea of other people, what they're doing, and it becomes a support system for everybody mm. because it is quite an onerous thing to be doing. You really do have to put a lot of time and effort into it. And there's the emotional side of it, of loving this dog. And people do love their dogs. There's no doubt about it. They get very fond of them. Um, and But all the way along, they know when they're about 14 months, they're going to leave them. Uh, they're going to be taken to the next stage, which we fondly talk about the uh, big school that they're moving on to, um, which is usually uh, from here, they go to Atherton, which is near Bolton. And it's a purpose-built training centre, um, all singing, all dancing, beautifully designed, everything that they could wish for. And the dogs um, either live in kennels there or more commonly now they live with a boarder. So they're living in someone's home still and then go in there each day for training. And during that time, they're there for about 19 weeks-ish and they learn, they now learn with trained trainers about the sort of specifics to do with guide dog work. Up till then, it's been much more generic training, really. More socialising yeah. up until then. Yeah. Um, Heart-wrenching, so- though, I think. I'm sorry to say, mm. my, my, my thoughts on a little tiny bundle, six, week old, six weeks old, and then having to... I, I don't think I could do that side of it, well, personally. The time, the time <laughs> they get to 14 months, they're great bounding creatures. <laughs> <laughs> and you're probably quite relieved, are you? Well, there, there can be that moment when you're thinking, golly, yes. I don't have to put up with this forever. <laughs> I don't have to cross the road at right angles all the time. Now I can go diagonally if I wish to, because that's one of the things you've got to do with them all the time. You must never cross the road at diagonally. You've right. got to learn, you know, if you remember 
when you're crossing roads, you get to the pavement and there's those bobbly bits where you mm. alert you that that's where you would cross if you couldn't see properly. Um, and they're directly opposite the next one. And that's what you're supposed to do with them. Mm. It's I, that sort of thing. Yes. It becomes easier. Mm. Can I just oh. ask where the dogs come from then? Where, where are they, they bred? Well, apparently guide dogs now are the, the largest breeder of dogs in the world. Um, they, they breed them at um, the, the main breeding centres at Leamington Spa. And it's very carefully organised. The dogs are general. a lot of uh, Labrador Retrievers, black and yellow Labrador Retrievers, um, but also German Shepherd dogs. And the people who have German Shepherd dogs think they're the very best <laughs> and don't want anything else. Um, they take a little bit longer generally to train uh, but once they're trained, they're, they're absolutely, you know, really the creme de la creme as far as their owners mm. are concerned. Um, and and sometimes now they have things like labradoodles because of people who have allergies to dogs. Mm. And, of course, the, the uh, Labrador retrievers do tend to shed quite a lot of hair. Yes. Um, so labradoodles don't, obviously, and that's mm. quite useful. Um, there are other dogs as well, the, the odd collie, uh, but generally the vast majority are either... German Shepherds or um, Labrador Retrievers or full lamb. Right. They want to work. That's their advantage of them. Um, they do like to eat as well. You have to be ever so careful. <laughs> <laughs> and they are on a very special food. They have the very best dry food available. And it's all very carefully monitored. Um, sometimes they get you know specific needs, like a skin condition, and they go on to special food for it. Um I have to be really careful about not letting them get overweight, of course, because they, they do love treats mm. and people love to give them to them. And, you know, as we were saying earlier, it really isn't a good idea to be mm. giving them treats at every verse end. Um, so, yes, it's 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 um, a very specific... They stay there at the training centre at um, Leamington Spa for a short time, they're only there for a short time. And during that time, I think this would be a lovely thing to do. You can be a volunteer who goes in and plays with those little baby puppies <laughs> so that right from the beginning, they're used to being handled by people and they see people as nice things to mm. be involved with. Um, and then they go off for a little short time, about three or four days, I think it is, or four or five days, where they're assessed um, for their characters, and their suitability as mm. a guide dog. So are they are they nervous or are they confident? Are they adventurous or not? You know that sort of thing is taken into account. Um, how how energetic they are because they all vary. Every dog's different, mm. and they continue to be. And sometimes, I mean, I think it's um, most unlikely at that stage. But later on, some dogs are withdrawn because it is acknowledged that they're not made to be guide dogs. It isn't what they're going to be good at. So the characteristics um, then that would have them mm. have them um, not accepted then, what would that be? Um, the, well, there was one recently um, who was really quite willful. Um, the word stubborn wasn't used. It was willful, <laughs> which seems apparently nicer. Uh, he, he just decided that if, he, if you were wanting him to go one way, he didn't want to go. He'd just lie down and refuse to move. Mm. Um, that sort of thing went on. He was, he was quite difficult to, to encourage to do anything that he didn't want to do, like jumping into the car, um, things that you 
you know, they've just necessary yes, to do really. Certainly. Um, so after a lot of heartache, because he mm. was um, assessed several times, guide dogs really do do the very best to get them through. But it was agreed that he wasn't, and he's gone as a pet. He's gone as a pet to someone. They don't always go as pets. There's a lot of people wanting them as pets, of course. There's a, a, a long list of people wanting a, a retired guide dog or a withdrawn guide dog as a mm. pet. Um, but they are, if they are assessed to be suitable as um, another sort of assistance dog, that can sometimes ha- ha- um, happen, or as a buddy dog, which is a system for... Guide dogs which haven't quite made it, guide dog puppies who haven't quite made it to be guide dogs. But they're really good. They're really steady in all sorts of other ways. They're, they're given to a child who's going to have a guide dog eventually, probably. And although there's no age limit for a guide dog, the youngest girl is 11 at the moment mm-hmm. who has a guide dog. Um, but younger children learn how to live with a dog and how to care for a dog and what it entails so that if they do have a guide dog, they know how to deal with it and know, mm-hmm. know what to do. Um, so that's a very successful scheme that they've set up relatively recently. Um, so, yes, it isn't, they're not always as pets. They're sometimes used as police dogs as well. That's another possibility. Mm. Um, but, yes, so the um, just to give you some figures, I think it would be quite interesting. They... they in 2017, apparently guide dogs bred 1,356 puppies. Um, so, and in in that time, they matched 728 people with a guide dog. It's there's no money involved from the government. It's all done by people leaving money in wills, which is a really important part of their income, and by fundraising, mm-hmm. um, which is where we're involved now. We do the um, involved with fundraising rather than the actual hands-on dogs, but it's just lovely to meet the dogs and and be able to get my hands on as well, um, <laughs> and then say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I know you had a very successful fundraising event in Reith this summer, just this summer gone, which was when I was first a, a bit more aware of of how indeed. things operate. Yes, indeed. Um, Chris Mackay, who lives in the village, was was very involved in that. She was the sort of leading light in it, and and had um. A lovely event on Reese Green. We were blessed with good weather, which was was uh, would have been very difficult if it had rained. Um, we had lots of stalls. We had somebody doing displays of guide dog training, which is quite interesting to watch her and how she does it with a dog that didn't quite make it. That's another use of a dog. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's really good at showing people how how they learn to use to work at curbs and how to avoid um, obstacles in the pavements and things. Um, and we had Hero, uh, which involves some uh, person dressing up as in a in a sort of fluffy oh, yes. dog, yes, <laughs> um, which was quite <clears> difficult, <throat> but raised a lot of money and altogether raised over two thousand pounds. So it was a very successful day, um, and and we do do all sorts of things. Sainsbury's in North Allerton recently, for the last two years, chose guide dogs as their charity of the year. And and raised a phenomenal amount. They raised altogether twelve and a half thousand pounds. Good grief! Um, it was they with that money you can pay anybody can do it. You can pay five thousand pounds and name a dog, and that's what they wanted to do. And for that, you meet the dogs and you get regular updates about them and all the rest of it. 
They named Milo, who's a German shepherd, who's been um, puppy walked in Scotland. And they named Bertie, who's a black Labr- um, yellow Labrador, sorry, in um, more locally, in, actually in York, I think he is. I'm not mm. sure. Might be wrong. Um, so Sainsbury's have two, adopted two dogs then? Not adopted them. Not but adopted, they named but them. named them, yes. And so they have some input, yes. We went recently and had photos taken of them that was all mm. in Sainsbury's. Um, and and the staff got very involved, and a lot of the customers did too, actually. And we spent a lot of time shaking buckets and mm-hmm. having tombolas in Sainsbury's. We do a lot of that sort of thing. Um, in next month, in December, December 17th, we've got a concert, which is a charity concert run by um, a choir called... Um, Name escapes you. Musicality. Oh, Musicality right. is a local ladies' choir in Richmond, um, and they, they've they offered to do a concert for us of Christmas music, which we're having at the King's Head. And and they're not charging us, the King's Head aren't charging us, which is absolutely lovely. So any money we make will be for guide dogs, which is really so very nice when, it, when is that? It's the 17th of December. It's right. a Monday evening, um, 7 o'clock at the King's Head in Richmond. Everybody's welcome. Um <laughs> This so, episode yeah. may actually go out then, so on that day. So that's Might quite, be. yes. Well, that yes. Mm, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you want, isn't it? Indeed. I'm presuming then that some recipients of, of dogs will, will actually have more than one more than one guide dog over a period of time. Is that true? Yes. Obviously the lifespan. Mm. Mm, as I mentioned earlier, there isn't an age limit now. There, isn't a, there used to be a lower age limit when you could receive a guide dog. But now there isn't. They've withdrawn that. And they actually have work, they're, they're combined with um, Blind Children Association. So it's a, it's sort of working with children much more than they used to, really. Um, up until people in their 80s and 90s mm. have guide dogs. Um, so, you, as you say, you could have a guide dog um, from being quite young till you know, quite old, really, mm. and have eight or nine dogs. They, they work generally until they're about eight that generally are retired when they're about eight. Mm. Um, It does vary. It depends on the dog and how much work you're asking them to do. Um, So there are variations on that. And one of our dogs um, was actually withdrawn, uh, retired early because the owner died um, Mm. unexpectedly. So, you know, all human life is there and Mm. and things can change. Um, but at eight, generally they retire, and and so you could have several dogs in a in a lifetime, as you say. Yeah. Um, and you're retrained each time after the dog's been trained, as I was saying at Atherton. They then that there's called the mobility instructor, the person who's the mobility instructor, teams the dog up with someone that they've got waiting for a guide dog. Because I'm presuming that the recipients actually have to be in the first instance, certainly trained to deal with the dogs because it's not a pet, it's a working dog with at times as a pet, but they've got to learn how to distinguish between the two. It's very true. It must be a fine line, mustn't it? But they they are. They're trained together for a period of about four weeks generally, and that can be in the person's home or it can be in an hotel. If there's a few people from an area doing it, they, they, they use an hotel. And they the mobility instructor finds out from that person, they've already assessed them, they've met them before, they've assessed how quickly they walk, how tall they are, 
what sort of workload they're going to ask this dog to be doing. Um, all those sort of things are taken into account. And then when they've got them for that period of time of training, it's learning quite complicated work, it sounds, with their footwork, um, how to how to step off curbs and what to do. There's a nice little something which people tend not to know. You know when you stop at a, a pelican crossing, mm. press the button for the green man, and hopefully something beeps, but not always. And if you can't see the green man and there's no beeping, you can put your hand under the box where you've pressed the button and there's a rotating button which goes round and then when it stops you can go across the road and it's yeah. specifically for people mm. who can't actually see. Um, so all sorts of training goes on with that person. They take them over the routes that they're going to be using. So if they go to a particular shop or the post box, those sort of things, they learn those routes and the dog learns those routes. So the person... You know, can can take tailored to that individual yeah. person. Yes. So that work goes on, but you know, you're talking about yes, there are pet as well, and there's a lot of talk about what companionship they get from that dog. Mm. Um, it isn't just having a dog who's walking them somewhere. It gives them huge in, independence, which they've lost. A lot of people they talk about 180,000 people not being able to get out of the house by themselves because they're so unsure of being out by themselves. Um, but once they have the dog, it gives them that independence and that confidence to do it. People tend to talk to you with the dog. They tend not mm. to walk to you with a white cane. They're mm. a little bit more circumspect about it. Um, and the dog is a lovely dog who is going to give you companionship and the family companionship, which becomes a little bit of a problem when they come to retirement. Hopefully there's somebody in the family who would like to take that dog on, but not always. And then it's that sort of scheme of, well, the puppy walker who had the dog has first first option. option. Oh, that's a good system. I'm not sure it is as a puppy walker. Oh, really? Walker. <laughs> no? <laughs> when I got the phone call about Kelly, it was really quite difficult. And it happened again when this um, Clive's owner died. Um, would you like this dog back? And I'd been... You know, we had been extremely fond of these two dogs and put a lot of effort into them, of course. And to say no to them, because we really did not want a full-time dog, felt That's very heartless, yes. but uh, knew that it was the right thing for us. And fortunately, with Kelly, we did keep in contact. The people who did take her as a pet lived fairly locally, and we went to see her and, and, and saw you know, her throughout her life, yes. mm. Mm. which we were very fortunate to do, in. Yes. Difficult. <laughs> There is, there is a sort of, yes, there's an emotional mm. side to it all. But I think um, most of the time, you know, this dog is not your dog. It is going to go on and do a jolly good job, hopefully. Um, and you're preparing it and giving it its best option mm. of doing that. And that gives you great satisfaction. It's really very nice. Do you have a, a waiting list for trained dogs? I just wondered how many guide dog owners there are in the UK. Apparently there is a waiting list. And they're saying now that there's, um, over the last seven years, the waiting list for guide dog service has grown by over 25%. Um, it's, it's increasing. They talk about um, somebody going blind every hour of the day. Um, the numbers of people who are blind doesn't decrease. It's... it's no. uh, and the need for guide dogs is increasing. 
So the need for puppy walkers is increasing, the need for trainers, everything is, mm. um, is a big ask of people. Um, and financially, it's only done by fundraising and wills. It's done by fundraising and wills. Mm. Um, and uh, yes, mainly, that's the vast mm. majority of the income. And they, they reckon each dog costs about £55,000 from start to finish. So that gives you some idea of, of how much is involved yes. to run the service. Um, in in 2015, when you were talking about how many dog partnerships there were, there were 4,000, they reckon 4,994 dog partnerships. That's the latest figure I've got hold of, I'm afraid. Mm. Um, so nearly 5,000. That's a lot. Active dog Yes, yes. but what a difference mm. it's making to people's lives. Mm. There are lovely stories, um, and I mean, guide dogs do use it in all their paperwork. The the other big thing for that people do enjoy doing to raise funds is sponsoring a dog. You uh. can sponsor a dog um, really relatively cheaply, um, and and you get a name, and you get photographs of the dog, and you get regular updates about what it's up to. Um, and and once you've sponsored one, unless you say no, you just sponsor another one, and people just do it over the years. It's a sort of regular. It's a regular payment, is it? Yes. Dogs, yes. Um, and a lot of people do that. Mm. Um, obviously, to name a dog for five thousand pounds is is a bit more of a a, a big thing, but um, a lot of people do that too, and businesses mm. tend to take that sort of thing on. And schools, um, schools are being encouraged to sponsor either a dog or sponsor a class a class of dogs they mm. can sponsor a class for and raise money to to hear the about that dog and, and and get some um, suitable sort of paper you know activities about mm. dogs for the children to follow um so that's we had a lovely um event locally in the dales actually where three of the schools had uh, had had a competition about guide dogs and and it was how much to raise how they were given a certain amount of money by the local rotarians and were given the challenge of raising as much as they could from that amount mm. of money and they made candles and they made other things and and raised money and one of them won it and that was another way of raising guide mm. money for guide dogs and, and raising, raising awareness i was just going to say so yes, yes it's, it's really important we do lots of talks going into places just telling them about guide dogs and mm. what it all involves. Um, getting rid of a few myths, because do people, people do sort of sometimes um, feel, you know, that the dogs, as I was saying earlier, aren't allowed free time. Mm. And of course they are. They are dogs and they, and they do need free running and, and love and comfort, just like any other dog. Um, I, I do wonder, though, at the when you're saying that they're allowed off lead mm. and loose, mm. That would concern me as to whether or not, I suppose they're so highly trained that they will come back, but it would be devastating if someone can't actually see. It certainly would. And that's why you've got to be absolutely cast iron sure that these dogs will are good mm. on their recall. Yes. Even before they leave the puppy walker, that's one of the main things that we're learning with mm. them um, to teach them recall. The other thing, which we haven't mentioned, is clean walks. And ah, that's another yes. problem for a potential problem for people who who can't see properly that this um, if the dog um, soils on pavements um, it's obviously a fairly antisocial thing to do and we do try really hard as puppy walkers to get some, them to the point where as the leavers at about 14 weeks 14 months should I say 
um, they know that there's an area in your garden that you have allocated as the spend area. Mm. And they go and spend in there and then are allowed to walk. So you don't take them out for walks or out into shops and things until they've spent. Mm. Um, so that they get the idea that they don't do it. There's always, you know, the possibility of accidents and it does happen. And if you're out all day, for instance, the mm. idea is that the puppy walker chooses a spot where the dog spends. The dog doesn't just decide for himself. Um, so you take it to an area where it's, you know, not in the middle of the pavement and mm. take it to an area that's more socially acceptable. Um, but difficult so from an owner's point of view to pick up if they can't that's, see it. That's why you're really trying hard for it not to be a, mm. not to be a problem. Um, but they do they do have. I mean, some some people who have a guide dog have a reasonable amount of sight and they can cope with it. Mm. Um, and they will accept a dog that that isn't cast iron on mm. that training. Um, and and guide dogs um, teach the trainers teach them how to do it so that they can identify where the offending little pile is Certainly. and deal with it accordingly. Now then, if um, if anyone actually wanted to become involved, either mm. as a puppy walker or to sponsor a dog or anything else, perhaps you could give me some, some ideas. I know you're probably going to leave me with a leaflet, I hope, which I can then put in the uh, show notes. Indeed, yes. But you can tell lovely. me something now yes. if you don't mind. Yes. Um there's a, there's a, a a regular phone number which is o three four five one four three zero two two nine and and that's the phone number that you ring to to find out you can find out details of how if you want to fundraise or name a puppy or if you a youth group and you want a speaker to go it it covers everything really it covers dogalog which is the catalog but a dogalog mm. <laughs> of presents and things that you can buy um, and sponsoring raffles, anything really. Mm. It's a good generic phone number to ring. Um, if you so, wanted to be a, a puppy walker, what would you do? The same number or a different one? Same number. Same number. And they will then direct uh, yes, you to right, whoever. That's right. Yes. Yes. Now then you yes, were indeed. going to say about, um, we have a, a fund, a fundraising, um, I don't know quite what you would call it. We have a Christmas light in up in, in Hilau, don't we? The lights are going on tomorrow night in Hilau. Um, uh, Chris and Pete have decorated to great effect the, the gable end of their house for, the, I think, the second or third year running, isn't it? Oh, it Seven feels like more. <laughs> <laughs> and I think got it's the, more than that, but never mind. I think... Yes. Sorry, you, you were going to say they, the... Yeah, the they, reindeer are running along the wall, the Christmas trees are up, um, and it will all be lit up tomorrow night with a guide dog collecting box outside. And last year they raised over £400 in donations from that, so it was really very nice. Um, that's so that's you, excellent, yes. Above wreath, pop up it, to Hilo. Come, come to Hilo. Yeah, Hilo, is it pronounced? Hilo, sorry, yes, Hilo, Hilo, yes. yes and, yes. Uh, well, certainly, coming, driving up the dale, you'll see it. You won't miss it. <laughs> <laughs> we like to make our presence felt, you know. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much for that, Eileen. Okay, That's been you. really instructional. Thank you. Yes, nice, nice and um, I hope you get some interest from it. Indeed, if anybody is interested in becoming part of the fundraising group, 
please contact me. Um, perhaps if I could give my yeah, well, if you're uh, happy to, number, yes, can I do that? If yes. you want to, yes, it's, uh, 01609, so mm-hmm. 01093812. Um, and I can put that on the show notes do, too. Can please, I? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right, and I must get the spelling of your name correctly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much. So, this is Susan signing out from inside Yorkshire. Mm-hmm.